Welcome to Sisterhood, having conversations that matter with me, Laurieann Sheldrick, an incredible woman who support, encourage, and empower other women. While you are here, you will be supported. You will empower yourself so that you can be supportive to others and begin to fully embrace that we cannot be empowered women if we do not support those who are being disempowered. That is the magic that lies within sisterhood, and it only works if we do it together. The purpose of sisterhood is to create deep and meaningful connections with other women, have conversations that matter, because women need other women, and together we are going to be, do, and have all that we desire. It starts right here, right now, with me, my special guests, and with you. Let's begin. Welcome to the magic of sisterhood. Hi, welcome back to the Sisterhood Podcast. Thank you for being here today, for listening to today's share. Today you get the pleasure of hearing from two incredible human beings, Kira and Dina, best friends and business partners of Future Focused Parenting. I don't typically do a bio, but I have to today because these two women are so, so incredible. And I just want to share that with you so you know why they teach what they teach and why they do what they do and why they are the experts who are teaching and doing what they do as well. So Dina Thayer has been a childbirth educator and birth doula for 16 years. And her specialization is in sleep consulting, uh, which new parents definitely would want support for, parent coaching, and blended family support, which is so incredible. I find that so important when you come from, when you have a blended family to get that support because it can, you know, bring up its own challenges. And she and her husband share five beautiful children in their blended family. And Kira Dorian has been working with expectant and new parents as a childbirth educator and parent coach for over a decade. And her specialization is in preparing couples for their transition into parenthood, navigating that transition, which can sometimes, you know, be have its own challenges while you're like working through this like new identity shift as parents and um, while still also being a couple and uh, also specializes in helping parents raise emotionally intelligent children and Kira has been blessed with twins a boy and a a girl with her husband so they know about parenting and for more on their business you can check them out at uh, futurefocusedparenting.com and I put the link for all of their magic in the show notes so I love having conversations about a topic that I know nothing about (laughs) and being a parent is one of those topics and having meaningful conversations which is what this podcast is all about and what sisterhood is really about isn't about knowing everything about every single topic you could know nothing and still have the conversation be so juicy and so good and that's what this conversation was which is why I'm like on a high as I record this because um, I just listened to the conversation back to make sure there were no glitches and I was like oh my god this is so good I love these two human beings I had literally just met them like three minutes before we actually pushed record. So it was strange to me because it felt like I had known them for years. Like they were just so... I don't even know how to describe it. You know what? Let's just put it in this category. Good human beings. So... 
we started off the conversation the way I start off most of the conversations with the women that I have on, which is talking about what their relationship with other women has been like throughout their lives. And we started off by them, you know, really um, talking about breaking that conditioning that we hear so often that women can't get along and women can't be in business because we're so so competitive and women are like catty, all that stuff that I hate hearing and is just such baloney because honestly you will hear the unconditional love that they have for one another as business partners and as friends and as humans and as women and I just love their love for each other and they talk about what it means to be future focused parents and the benefits of starting with the end in mind and the way that I took that was Raising your children with the intention of them being thriving, conscious adults. So basically, it's like asking the question, who's the adult that I want to raise? And this is a really great question because this question can help to really help you decide how you're going to interact with your child. And I actually had to chuckle while we chatted because a lot of the things that they teach parents for their children, raising conscious children and future-focused parenting are the things that I actually needed to learn as an adult because it wasn't how I was raised. And it's the things that I teach today in my own coaching practice, but to adults. So just another reason why these two human beings should be doing what they're doing and why we need to be raising conscious, kind, thriving, mentally and emotionally healthy adults right because they're children now but they're not going to stay children so one more thing before I just pass this on and let you just dive right into the conversation I would love to hear what you think about this conversation you can rate it or give it an honest review over at iTunes Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast I'm always so grateful for these reviews and ratings because listen we cannot grow this podcast without it this This episode cannot get to the women who need to hear it without those ratings and reviews and without those shares. So it all helps. It helps us to grow. It helps me to know where I need to change, what you want, what you don't want, what you want to see, what you don't want to see, all of that. And it helps us to reach people all around the world so that they know they are lo- they are not alone, which is really, really important to me. It's a very strong why for me to do this podcast. I don't want anyone to ever feel alone. Empowered human beings empower other human beings, and we can not do that alone. So you can subscribe and follow along on Instagram at either Sisterhood Connections Podcast or my company page, Contagiously underscore positive. All in the show notes, all the magic, all the links can all be there. Now I'm going to send you over to our conversation. Enjoy. I'm sending you so much freaking love today. And until next time, bye. Ah, Kira and Dina, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being on Sisterhood. You know, the really amazing thing about having you on Sisterhood is that this is where I want to begin. We're going to talk about future focused parenting, and I'm going to pick your brain about kids and being parents and how to raise adults, how to raise conscious adults. But um, I have a lot of women who write into the show and talk about, can you talk about healing the female friendship wound? Because they say, you know, they just have never been able to be friends with women. And 
I want women listening to really feel the, the power with the two of you, because not only are you really good friends, but now you are also, you work together and you podcast together and you coach together. Can you talk about what your experience has been like? Cause this is what sisterhood is about. Um, how you not just became friends, but also work together and how you make that all work. Cause that's just so incredible. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can't talk about it without crying. Oh, Way to start us off. I love it. I cry away. This is an it's open such a, year. it's such a unique relationship for both of us. I think, wouldn't you say Dina? Oh, a hundred percent. I, I don't have another person in my world anyway, or in my circle. That's quite like my, my dynamic with Kira. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know how much you, you know about us, but you know, we in many ways couldn't be more different. Dina and her family operate from a faith paradigm. They're Christian. I call myself a liberal agnostic Jew um, and, and really have had some pretty deep, hard, conversations about how we view the world, how we move through the world, and yet just do this in this really safe way. And, and that took time to build, but we both built that. And so I think that's the beauty of, of this. I don't know. I just, like Dina said, I don't have, I have no other relationship like this in my life. Yeah. And I think it's really also unique because I think a lot of people who are friends first think we should we'd be great in business together because we're, and we did it the other way. We actually met professionally first and then became friends and now do this business together. So it, it's had, it's had a very interesting arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we were both childbirth educators when we met. And so we sat in on each other's classes because we kind of taught from a different model. Kira did hypnobirthing. I did a more traditional childbirth class. And so we watched each other's classes. We would send each other referrals Kira ended up as my first ever twin doula client. Um, So that was really special. I was there when Reese and Rhea were born. And then we just grew this friendship. And the more we talked, I'll I'll admit it was probably Kira. It was Kira who was like, we need to work together someday. (laughs) And we found- I was like, this lady needs to be mine. How do I make her mine? (laughs) (laughs) So we did find like some tangential ways to do that years ago, but now we've been really working together since 2017, a lot, a lot. And so I feel like that's kind of special too. Cause I think sometimes when people start as friends, adding business wrecks it. And I almost think it was great that we kind of started professionally. The friendship was like the cream in the Oreo cookie. Then we put another business on the other, other end and made a sandwich. And it, and it has been great. I've said to Kira more than once, like, I don't know that I could successfully be in business with anyone else, especially with how different we are. I, I find that just so inspiring because it changes that story that so many women tell, which is women just can't play together, work together. Women are competitive. Women have to have power over, not power with. If she has it, I can't have it. It changes that story and shows that, listen, this is just 
program conditioning. These are just old beliefs put on us. We can do this. It just has to be with the right people, right? You have to create that right sisterhood, which, you know, growing up is often very difficult. Like when you enter into like primary school and then high school, there's this competitiveness with women, with young girls. And that so easily comes into our adulthood. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's like a respect is not strong enough a word, but like, I'm kind of in awe of her a lot of the time. And I think that drives, at least from my end, a lot of it. It's like, I'm in, in awe of this person. And even though we don't always see things the same way, I, I appreciate the way that she treats people. It inspires me to want to treat people that way. Um, and so when you have awe for someone and respect for something that you've built together, there's a desire to protect that. And so I think what I can say is that like Dina, you and I, we do a lot of things intentionally to protect our friendship, um, including like, you know, one of our business values is friendship first, that if we have to ever pick between the friendship and the business, we'll pick the friendship. Um, and you know, there's conflict sometimes, but there's such a, deep desire to never create a rift. And so there's a lot of good communication that happens, a lot of like erring on the side of talking about something, erring on the side. And this is something Dina does so well. And I've learned from her. She is so good at giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And that is key, I think, with relationships. Like when we come into a conflict, trying to give someone the benefit of the doubt, like, I know you care about me. I know you would never want to hurt me. And that's the frame of reference that I'm using to have this conversation. That's game changing when you have a conflict. And that's what she has always modeled. And so then it becomes safe for me to do the same thing because I know that's how I'm going to be treated. Does that make sense? It does because your defenses go down. And that's, you know, that was the inspiration behind sisterhood was having meaningful conversations, even if we disagree. And how do we do that in a healthy way? Because we have, we think we're having meaningful conversations, but then as someone, as soon as someone disagrees, we start to get very defensive and wanting the other person to come on our side and believe in what we believe where you just can't, you have to have that meaningful conversation where the other person feels safe to say something, even if it's not the same belief or the same thoughts or the same idea. So defenses go down. As soon as the defenses go down, you're in that safe zone, which is mm-hmm. so important. And I am so glad you said that because the, the idea of a defense going up once we disagree, that is a very common theme, I think in relationships. And Kira brought up, you know, that we kind of have this she's right. Respect isn't even strong enough. I mean, I come off episodes sometimes and I'm like, Kira, I learned so much on that podcast from you. And so I think there's something about, I joke with her, like she's who I want to be when I grow up. And (laughs) I, I think when you like really care about someone that much, you don't want to wreck it for one thing, but you're so right about the defense thing. And, And one thing Kira does so well that I really haven't experienced before is she's not afraid to say what she needs in the relationship or how she hopes it goes, but it always comes with the question. Does that feel comfortable for you? Mm. Or would that feel okay for you? So it's very different for me than anything else I've experienced where someone's like, well, here's what I need. Deal with it. Essentially. They might not say deal with it, but that's like the unspoken. Whereas Kira would say, here's what would be really great for me. Let me know if this feels okay to you. And then she'll lay it out. And 
And that there's no room for being defensive then, even if we maybe don't see it the same way. Cause she, I can tell right out of the gate, she cares whether it works for me too. Exactly. And I think that makes an immense difference. And the other one, and Kira is the one who phrased it this way. So I have to give her credit is that even when we don't agree, she said, we agree on how to treat people. Mm-hmm. And that, that also is such a game changer because if we agree on coming out the other side, still being civil and kind and compassionate, and maybe even trying to find, is there any salt, like common ground here? Maybe there might be more that we agree on than we think. If we agree on that piece, the other parts we disagree on seem to kind of fall away and be less important. So doesn't mean they don't matter at all, but they, they don't matter as much as this. And people get defensive. I think when they start to get their hackles up and go, well, now I, now I care. You said about getting someone on your side, I care more about being right than the relationship. And it's just never been like that for us. Like I'll give up being right. If I get to keep this special thing. So oh. that, that's pretty unique. It is very unique. And it's so important because to me, that is unconditional love. I don't love you because of ba 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 ba. And if you don't do those things, then I'm sorry, I'm going to take my love away. I just love you unconditionally. And there's sort of like an unspoken um, vow or, or or safety net in that of just knowing that no matter what, there's an unconditional love here, and we all we both have this safe space to just be ourselves. Well, but, and I think too, there's there's a um a comfort that we have developed with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We are not shocked or surprised when things get hard because they're going to in a relationship like ours. And like, that's not surprising. We're going to bump into each other. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to say things not in the perfect way because we think differently about stuff and we're really aware of that. And I think that helps a lot that it there's, there's, we're never shocked or surprised. It doesn't make it any less terrible when it happens. Of course. Of course. But there's an awareness of like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Like I guess we're <laughs> I guess we're in one of those conversations or I guess we're in one of those seasons that's going to be hard for us. Um but I think the expectation of discomfort helps. Cuz then we're not running away from it. It's like, oh yeah, well, that that makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> that happened. Absolutely. Again. Yeah, again, again. That's <laughs> Meaningful conversations are uncomfortable They're un- because they're not the norm. We're just so used to talking about surface things. And when we go a little bit deeper, there's some discomfort there because it's in that underbelly, that other layer where like the real truth comes out. So that is uncomfortable. And this is when we learn to how to have healthy debates again and to disagree and still be okay if you disagree and then choose what we want to do with that relationship. And if it can't move forward because the disagreement comes to a place, maybe someone's doing harm, then, you know, you go your separate ways, but you give each other that space to have it, to have that conversation. I love that. And then you teach others. So I don't have children, but I can imagine that this sisterhood that the two of you have created with each other really helps you as parents. (laughs) I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this just Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about this yesterday. It was so funny. We, um, I picked up my kids from school and there's a new kid in school who is very aggressive, um, has actually broken another child's arm, um, and pulled out the pump of a diabetic child. It's been rough. Um, and my kids and I were talking about this in the car and, you know, they, they were, they're upset, 
right? Obviously they're worried. My, my, their twins, one is very concerned for the other one who's in the class of this child. Um, and we started talking about an episode that we did recently on bullying and labeling kids. And I, I, we started talking about like, let's not label this kiddo. Like this kiddo is behaving this way because something's going on for them. And my kids were like, well, that's true, but that doesn't make it okay. And I was like, nope. And we can hold both of those things. Like Dina and I talk all the time about both. And we can say this behavior is totally unacceptable and we can be compassionate and curious about what's going on for this kid. And I think it's those kinds of conversations that Dina and I have all the time. I can go, I totally disagree with that, but I can also be compassionate and want to understand what's going on for her to have that perspective. And I think that is something both of us are very passionate about teaching our children and encouraging parents to do with their kids is how do we get curious instead of judgy and compassionate instead of apathetic, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that is so important. You know, I think about my own upbringing and it didn't necessarily help me become a thriving adult who would be able to say that, be able to just say like hurt people, hurt other people. And I can have compassion for that. You know, I had to learn that moving forward. I had so much to learn and unlearn at the same time, as I'm sure this two of you have, as you've navigated this as well. So I think that's where I want to bring this conversation into actually what you do, like future focused parenting. First of all, I've never heard anything like that. Like future focused parenting. It feels so tangible. Like I can see it. Like I can see my, my childhood self and my adult self, like connecting (laughs) together. I'm very visual. Can you talk about that first? What is future focused parenting? Um, and where did it begin? Like something must've happened with the two of you where you're like, we need to like do this, right? Well, can I just say thank you for saying that you've never heard this concept before, because we actually love when that happens. Oh, good. Uh, Reason being that we are pretty niche in terms of there's a lot of parenting content out in the world, books and podcasts and webinars you can attend. And so much of it is we've found one of two things, either really philosophical and kind of leaves you hanging on like, but what do I do? which parents want to know what to actually do. And on the other end, you get maybe some really great tools, but a lot of them are very much about doing what's expedient. What will change this behavior, make that sound stop, get this to you know diminish into the background without the long range view that we're talking about. So essentially future focused parenting kind of takes that on its head and says, you know what, we can be really practical. And in every episode, we try to give strategies and tools and tips. However, the tips are about what do you do now that actually shapes who you want your child to become so that they can be fully functioning and a contributing responsible member of society that can contribute in a meaningful way. And that will impact the way you handle a toddler tantrum or teenage talk back because you've got that adult in your mind. And when you start with the end in mind, instead of just dealing with whatever in front of you, very game changing. Mm, Oh my God. Absolutely. Cause again, like that just creates a visual for me as this adult self, like if I didn't have to learn all of the stuff that I know now on my own, oh, the emotional discomfort I would have been avoided would have been amazing. 
Yep. And you are, you are also right that something happened with us to start it because what we noticed is we started in this kind of professional capacity where we intersected a little bit in the childbirth space. But then as the friendship grew, we noticed when we would get together for lunch or coffee or what have you, our questions that we would ask each other and the things we would talk about often circled back around to parenting way more often than not. And that's how this kind of crystallized, like we should do something around the parenting thing because we both are clearly passionate about it. We get really spicy about it when we, when we, when we feel like we can help people or we see it done poorly. And so really it was our own conversations and that's how a lot of things happen. I love when things happen organically from someone's own need. Like we recently talked to someone who started this cool, innovative educational model because of her own need to want to educate her children in a way that was positive. Same thing here. Like we see a need for this. No one else is doing it why don't we do it? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I think we noticed, especially doing the specific work that we did. So, you know, Dina's background was really birth, childbirth. She's a doula um, and, and that infant, she's a sleep consultant. So those like really, really early months. And I have a mental health background and my focus was really on helping adults unpack what happened way back here. And so at the same time, as we're having these conversations, we're realizing like, wow, everyone's preparing for their birthing day. Just like a wedding, we liken it to a wedding a lot. Like, oh, I want the perfect wedding. But like, have you thought about your marriage, right? Um, and how that's going to, because that's like longer than a day. And it's the same with birth. Like, hopefully birth is a day or less. Sometimes it's more, but, you know, a couple of days. Um, but then you're a parent, you're a parent for the rest of your life. Yeah, and yeah. so we started looking at, you know, if, if we could talk to parents in those early stages and give them some of these tools, not only do we set them up for the long hall that is parenthood. But for me, I was like, I can keep people off my couch. Yes. (laughs) Like that's how they don't end up on my couch is if they're parented well. Right. And so that it was just the combo pack of both of us in our professional work. And as Dina said, we're having these conversations and suddenly we were like, wait a second, wait a second, we can do something about this. Mm -hmm. And we were, we were both, that's such a good way to put it here. Cause it's like, we were the bookends. I was (laughs) seeing it before it happened and going, wait, they're like getting all ready to push out a baby and have no help for afterwards. And Kira's like, I'm seeing people who are impacted by those first years on the back end. Mm-hmm. So she's like over here and we were like, oh, we could probably meet in the middle and help these families. And that's what we wanted to do. Oh, it's so brilliant. And the mental health impact that that has on not just the parents who are getting the support that they need because parenting is so hard, but that these children um, don't have to grow up not knowing how to feel their feels hating their parents, having to unlearn everything, which was my <laughs> experience, you know? And I find that so brilliant because again, I think just as a society, we're so reactive in every, it's like, okay, now we have a problem, let's fix the problem. But the problem is so deeply rooted now that it's almost impossible to, to unpack. You're being proactive. Let's try to, obviously these children are going to feel all the big feels and they're going to go through their own challenges, but as much as you can, there's going to be so many things that they may not possibly have to go through because you were proactively working towards just, again, that 
raising that really conscious adult who knows how to feel their feels because like I teach grown women how to feel their feelings. We call it emotional intelligence, but it's, let's be real. It's just feeling the big feels. And they all say, I wasn't taught how to feel the big feels. I was only taught stuff and down. Don't talk about it. It will go away. Just ignore it. And then we struggle as adults and we feel this emotional discomfort. So I'm sure that your future focused parenting approach involves a lot of emotional intelligence for parents and children. Sure does. <laughs> so let's unpack that because I'd love to talk about it because I find it so fascinating because I do what you do, Kira, which is, okay, let's unpack all the shit you dealt with as a child and then, mm-hmm. and then we can be very conscious adults. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, where does one begin? I know. So um, how does emotional intelligence play in? Um, first, like, do you teach the, I, I would imagine you would coach the parents, the parents coach the children. Yeah. And a lot depends on the age of the the children, how the parents are going to come at it. Um, so if, if we're lucky enough to catch families pre-birth or in those very early years, Mm -hmm. the way we talk about it is like, you're learning a language because most of us, as you've said so beautifully, (laughs) we were not taught this language. Um, And so as a parent, if you want to parent with emotional intelligence and you want to raise emotionally intelligent kids, a lot of us are having to kind of learn that as we go. And so we talk about those years kind of birth to two, two and a half as the opportunity to develop your language skills. Um, You're not going to get it right every time, but actually that's okay because they're 12 months old and really don't understand everything you're saying anyway. So you're laying this foundation for them to start to put pieces together later, but also laying a foundation for yourself to go, oh, that was one of those moments I could have helped, you know, break down their feelings for them. I'll remember next time. So there's a little bit of grace and and forgiveness there. Um, So we use a strategy, a framework, um, TM, it's the 3N framework, TM. (laughs) Um, It's just a really easy way for parents to walk their children through their emotions. And again, it, it, it tweaks a little bit depending on the age of the kids, but essentially the three N's are name it, normalize it, nurture it. So the first N, if our kids are tiny, we're going to have to name it for them because they don't know what frustrated means or disappointed. So we have to give it to them like, wow, you seem really disappointed, or I'm so sorry that you're feeling sad, or wow, that must be really frustrating trying to tie your shoe and you can't do it. Um, As they get older, they start to name it for themselves. They'll come to you, mom, I'm really disappointed. And then as they get even older, the N really just turns to notice it because they're probably not going to come to you with it, especially teen years, you know, they're less likely to to be vocal about it, but we want them to be able to notice it because sometimes half of what's going on for us is like, we just feel yucky. We're like, why do I feel so yucky? And wouldn't it be nice if we could just be like, I feel sad, Um, (laughs) you know, just like name the feeling like so simple. Um, The second N is normalize it. This is the most, in my humble opinion, the most important N it's the one parent skip all the time which is please let your children know pretty much everything they're feeling have ever felt or experienced is normal. Um, And we can normalize by simply saying that makes sense to me. Like I can see you're feeling really frustrated that tying your shoes, that makes sense to me. I remember being frustrated learning to tie my shoes too, instead of 
don't be frustrated, right? Or they've got a big test and they come to you and they say, mom, I'm feeling really scared. And we go, don't be scared. Instead, we can say, that makes sense to me. I used to get nervous before tests too. So likening it to your own experience, sharing stories. I do that a lot with my kids to the point where they now ask. So if I have to like give a consequence, which I don't have to do as much anymore, but you know, they'll be like, okay, mom, can you tell me about a time when you got a consequence? <laughs> Cause it'll make them feel better that like, they're not the only kid who's ever been given a, you know, and then the final N is to nurture the feeling. If you've got behavior you don't like, or that's not appropriate and not a healthy coping way, you know, coping mechanism, we're nurturing by redirecting and reminding them, Hey, you know, you may not get physical with me. You may not X, Y, or Z, but you may punch a pillow. You may do jumping jacks. Let's do some breathing, like redirecting into appropriate, you know, coping mechanisms. And if they're feeling their feels in a way that is appropriate, then we just lean into that. Can I hold you? Would you like to read a story? Should we go for a walk around the block? We're just nurturing that feeling. So those are the three ends that, that we give to parents all the time. So name it, normalize it, nurture it. I love that so much. And I'm giggling because it's so funny because as an adult, I, I literally use those, that same thing. And now I have a framework for it. So it's like, I, I will always say like, you feel it, it matters, period. Um, and claim it before it claims you and really figure out where the feel, what the feeling is. Like for me, I was like, I used to get angry all the time. And then I recognized kind of looking at that, like all the emotions, it's like, oh, I'm not actually angry. I'm just afraid. Mm-hmm. And you like so often, like with kids, they just don't know. Right. And I just, I love that nurturing. I remember um, my niece was having a really bad day one day and I think she was only four and her mom was like, it's okay. You're just going to feel that way. I'm like nurturing it. Like you said, and she's like, you know, would you, would you like to, would you like to snuggle with me? Would you like a hug? And she's, she said, no, I don't want a hug. And then she kind of waited for a second and she's like, ask me again later. <laughs> I love that. Right? Like, I'm like, oh yes. Like, that's so good. You're allowed to feel it. You didn't want to hug right now, but can you ask me again later? Not again, not being at an age where she would be like, I'm still feeling that way. Can you hug me? She was just like, you ask me. <laughs> well, and it, it says a lot about the dynamic between parent and child mm-hmm. as well. She has obviously developed a relationship with her parent that suggests that she is comfortable expressing what she needs, that she knows her need will get met, that she knows she doesn't have to say yes to what's being offered, but can provide something that will work for her. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff that happened in that interaction. That's really great. A great prep for later, because I think she sounds as a four-year-old, how my teenagers often sound. They might actually turn down my offer of nurture it, so to speak at this point, but they may circle back around and, and want that later. And I think when you do this while they're young, it sets up a space that's like, oh, my, my parents are actually really a safe place for that. So they, I think so many of us think, oh, you're going into the teen years, you know, scary cue the the horror music. Right. But when you parent this way early on, it doesn't have to be like that where, Oh, they're not going to communicate with me. They're not going to pick me. They're not going to, they're going to choose to go to their friends or a coach. And sometimes they will, Mm -hmm. but when you parent this way, I've at least found they often will choose me because I've taught them over all those years. I'm really a safe space and that I'm not going to get mad. If I say, would you like to talk about it? And they say, no, not right now that I just will give them their space. So 
in a way she's setting herself up really well, even for what comes later, because I think for a lot of parents, that's actually kind of a hard transition when all of a sudden your child refuses you. So if she's already like, no, thanks on the hug, it's good practice for later. Absolutely. And it sounds like you sort of have to like stuff down. You can cry about it with each other later. Um, that like neediness of wanting them to come to you for everything. Yeah and not you show do. them that so that they do feel safe with you. And now all of a sudden they're not feeling those feelings and now worried about mom. Yeah. We cannot get like transfer the burden onto them so that they feel guilty that they didn't, we can't do that. And so you're absolutely right. I might have to process that later with a friend or my husband. Cause sometimes it is a little ouchy. I can admit that mm-hmm. at the same time, I think the way we handle a no means a lot to them. And instead of stepping in with all these ideas for coping techniques and jumping jacks and all the things you might do when they're younger, it switches to more of just an offer. You know, would you like to talk about it? Are you interested in suggestions? And they might say no, but occasionally they also say yes, or they really, we've, we've kind of shifted now where I say at the start of the conversation, Hey, before you dive in, are you just wanting a listening ear or are you interested in some feedback when you're done? So I know right away and I don't get my feelings hurt later. I know, Hey, I just want to vent right now, mom, you know, my kids will sometimes actually like, I'm sure Dina yours do too. Like my daughter just the other day was like, I need to tell you something, but I just want you to listen. I've got a plan on how I'm going to handle it. And I'd prefer if you don't intervene, she's 10. (laughs) Okay. I can do that. You know, and it was so great. My husband and I were sitting there and, and we were like, you know what? Thank you for sharing that with us. That helps us meet your needs. We love that you articulated it that way hit us. And she told us and she told us her plan and we were like, okay, well, that's a great plan. Thanks for letting me know, <laughs> you know? Um, so I think it, it does, the relationship piece is, is so important, you know, cause I think what, what Dina and I see a lot is a deep desire from parents. They want to be close to their kids. They want to be their friend. Um, and we really have to earn that, right? We have to earn it. When they're little, of course, we're their best friend and everything's great. But that transition time is really about earning the right to be the person they come to. And Dina's 100% right. We do that by how we accept what they share with us and what they need from us. Mm, that's so incredible. I love this communication. I love the the style. Like, obviously your kids are really, really good communicators. So I would imagine that the future focused parenting along with the emotional intelligence involves a really big component of it is that communication aspect. How do we have healthy communication? How do we have meaningful conversation? How do we do that with our, with our children? I'm sure that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. The communication piece is huge. And we, we say all the time, even to parents who maybe are our podcast listeners or our coaching clients that you should be trying on this language. Like Kira said, even with infants and communicating, I talked to my babies all about what we were doing throughout the day. So when you lay again, a foundation of positive communication, there's a lot of it back and forth. 
Mm-hmm. It makes such a difference. And then that can evolve into things like family meetings. Then your kids get to weigh in on how things are going. I also regularly ask for feedback from my children on how I'm doing as a parent. You know, what's going great for you? What am I doing that you'd like to see me continue? And then are you willing to maybe also share something that isn't going so great? And I, I love this so much because not only does it encourage the communication, even about the hard things, which goes back to why I'm thankful for my friendship with Kira too, but it sets us up differently. I think for that more constructive feedback, if we've asked for it, you know, we're going to still sometimes get a curveball of something from our kids that maybe is hard to hear, but when you ask for it, you've invited it. And that does really take some of the sting out and it lets your kids know, you know what, it is okay for me to tell my parents when, Hey, you know what, the way you handled that, I really didn't work very well for me. Could we talk about a way to do it different next time. It just lets them know that's safe. So you couldn't be more right. Communication, there has to be robust communication for future focused parenting to work effectively. Well, and it comes back to that future focused mentality. Who's the adult I'm trying to raise? Well, I want to raise an adult who's a good communicator. Mm -hmm. I want to raise an adult who continues to communicate with me. So what kind of relationship do I have to, you know, cultivate over those 20 years, let's say that they are close in close to me? Um, What does that need to look like? And so it informs that future focused mentality. It informs all these choices that you're making all the time. And I love what Dina said. We both do this. I always ask my kids for their, their input on something that involves them. I always say, I'm going to make the final decision. Your dad and I are the final decision makers, but I really value your thoughts. Can you share them with me? And sometimes we go with what they've said because they bring up something we would have never thought of. And that furthers the relationship because now they feel seen and heard. And so they trust that their voice matters and that builds closeness, but also creates this way of communicating, helps them learn how to articulate their perspective in a way that's convincing. Like my daughter sometimes comes to us with bullet points. I would like pizza for dinner tonight. I have three reasons why we should do that. You know, (laughs) I love it. Sometimes she can raise me. I'm like, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Let's get pizza. (laughs) Well, that will help her as an adult. That will help her as an adult. She will have to do that one day in the workplace or in any type of space one day where she's going to have to come across. Maybe she'll have a proposal and be like, here's why I think you should go with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And be confident in that. Right. Because she's already done it, which I love. And you, I was just saying before we pushed record that, um, I was listening to the, uh, what they want their parents to know episode on the podcast, which was your kids takeover. And I loved the way all four of them communicated. And what was really interesting was they all communicated differently Like they were all very authentic to themselves, which was so great. And they kind of didn't say what was expected of them. They were very honest, especially Reese, (laughs) who said like, I want my mom to know she's just a really good parent right now. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing a good job so far. Yeah, (laughs) Right now. And then like, I would really like her to know, like not to fret over things. Like I, that is just so, so important. What's the best way like parents can just start to open up that dialogue with their children? So Dina, you have teenagers and Kira, you have children. You're, you're twin, you have twins that are 10, right? So 17, 18 for Dina and then 10 for you. 
Is that yeah, I have house? some that are already out of the house. So they're, oh. they're, yeah. you know, 17 and up. Um, our oldest is 22. Okay. So yeah. So let's maybe start with, say someone's listening right now and their like child is 10. Like that's such a, I, I love that age. Cause it's such a fun age where they're like fully stepping in. What's a good way that, you know, a parent can start to open up that dialogue if they hadn't done it before. Cause it's going to feel so unnatural. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, I think, well, I'll share what I think and Dina, you know, please jump in and, and share if you feel differently. I I think that you almost have to backtrack first and look at the dynamic in the household before you're going to crack open communication because Dina and I are big believers in having boundaries Mm -hmm. and structure. And I think what can happen is if we don't have boundaries and structure and we crack open communication, we could like swing all the way into the kid rules the roost. And that's not at all what we advocate for. We are big fans of here are the boundaries. Here are the parameters. We are the grownups and we are your team captain, but you're a part of the team and we value your, your contribution to our team. We value you as a player, um, but we're still the captain. So I think before you're going to crack open communication, we have to look at how's it going in, in, in the household. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and once we've kind of looked at that and we feel like we've got a good structure in place, then we want a lot of freedom. You can't see my arms cause we're on a podcast, but I'm doing, I'm doing <laughs> all the, all the gymnastics here. Um, uh, then we want a lot of freedom for communication, feelings, expression, all of that within those, within those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's the first step is making sure that we're we are the team captain and we're creating a team dynamic. Dina and I talk about that all the time to the extent that we both have team names for our families. So I'm team Dorian. Dina's team is TD seven. And I will literally be like team Dorian evening routine. And everyone kind of knows, you know, with team Dorian it's bathroom day, you know, or whatever. So creating a team dynamic where you are the team captain, Mm. but you're a captain that, people want to lead, right? We're warm, we're open, blah, blah, blah. And then we can kind of move into the communication piece. And Dina and I, and you can talk more about this because I am going to shut up. um, Talk a lot about when you need to make a course correction as a parent, Mm -hmm. please communicate it. So start with your own communication. You know what? Like sit down, have a family meeting. You know what? we have realized that the communication in this household is not going well. And we've decided to make some changes. Here's what it's going to look like. What do you think about that? Start there. Right. Yeah. Um, Instead of it being unnatural where one day you're sitting at the dinner table and you're like, tell me how you're feeling when you've never asked that question before. And the kids are like, what the heck? Like the teenagers at the table would be like, screw you. I'm going to my room. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's, it's also really unfair to kids to make a major change, no matter what it is. Right. Even if you're like, we're not doing chores, right. I'm going to get on those chores. That's great. Please communicate even with your tinies. Let them know a change is coming because they're going to be uncomfortable. I mean, it's back to what we were saying earlier. When you are expecting things to be challenging and uncomfortable, they're a lot easier to handle. So, of course, when you communicate that to your kids, they might have some feelings about that. That's okay. They're allowed to have feelings about it. But now we're not going to be shocked or surprised that they're having feelings because we've talked about it first. 
Absolutely. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so whenever, that. so whenever you start that work with anyone with a parent, you really figure out like you go right to the first step, like you go right to the roots. What's going on in your family? What are the the dynamics? You go, you figure out where they are now before you even think about where you're going to go. Yeah, because they have to look at. I mean, we have these kind of foundational pieces to our philosophy. And that they really have to start there. So what Kira's talking about with communication, of course, is just one element of that, but it's so true. There have to be some, some scaffolding around it, or you could end up with kids who think, oh, I'm allowed to just feel all the feels and spout them off. And you could end up with kids who are talking back or being really disrespectful in the, in the spirit of, Hey, I'm just communicating, which, you know, isn't the, the idea. So yes, when we work with families, we have to kind of peel that onion back to the very basics of things like, what is your why always on the podcast? We start with the why with future focused parenting. It's the first pillar of our philosophy is understanding your why who's the adult you're trying to raise and then figure that out. And then from there, you kind of scale down, it trickles down to what are the values in your family and how can you parent toward those? And then we get to the word you said earlier. I love when people use our own vocabulary back to us, <laughs> that, that helps you be proactive. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to look at those pieces first, and then you can add the building blocks of these other things, the empathy and the EI work and the communication, mm-hmm. but the parents have to know what they're aiming at in order to do that effectively. I love the why, because I would imagine that there are going to be some really frustrating days um, while you change the dynamic in the household that that why keeps you just on track, inspired, even when you're frustrated, you're like, but this is okay. This frustration will end. We have a really strong why, and this is not just going to help our household, but these are going to be great adults. That's it. I mean, you just said it. I mean, that the celebrity super trainer, Jillian Michaels, she said, if you have a strong enough why you can tolerate just about any how. Absolutely. And never is that more true than in parenting. The how and what of parenting is really hard sometimes. Yes. But that why coming back to the why, what you're aiming at will help you make the decisions that are best, not just the ones that are easy or most expedient, or you think accomplish this short-term goal. It's really, how do we act short-term to achieve the long-term goal? That's why our tagline is start with the end in mind. When you start right in the moment, you have tunnel vision and it's too hard. Sometimes we need to step back, get a look at that whole painting that we're trying to paint. Then we can get back close again and know what brushstrokes we need to put on in terms of how do I handle what's in front of me with this behavior or whatever is going on. Absolutely. It really helps. And, you know, I know it helps me because I'm a very visual learner. And even though we don't have visuals in front of me, (laughs) in front of us, the way you describe it and the way you explain what's happening, as I said before, I can see the two versions of myself. I can see my childhood self now, um, and I can see that adult self. And like, I'm the adult that I want to be now, but it took so much time to get there. So the way you, the way you frame it, I can see myself growing into the woman that I am now. And had my parents been future focused parents, I can see all the things that probably wouldn't have happened, all the emotional Mm. discomfort, all of the decisions I made that I wouldn't have made because I had safety 
with my parents, I would have went to them instead of trying to deal with it all on my own. So I have that visual of me as an adult. So imagine parents having, having that vision, even though their child is still going to be their own perfect little, totally. human, which your children said on the podcast, the kids take over mom lets me, uh, encourages me to do the things that I want to do or that I'm really interested in. Right. So you're raising these future focused, you know, children and raising them in that way while still really encouraging them to be their authentic selves. Yeah. You're looking at their, the character traits, not the job that they're going to do or, you know, the house they're going to own, or, you know, you're not, we're not encouraging that, but looking at what character traits does a healthy, happy, fully functioning adult embody? And so we actually talk about having an overarching why, um, like that drives the the ultimate human. Like, what do you want your, if you could just pick one thing for your yeah. kid, what would it be? And Dina and I have, I, we haven't talked about this yet, have we? <laughs> Sorry, we recorded an episode today that that we talked about this. So I'm trying, <laughs> like, am I repeating myself? Um, <laughs> So uh, in my household, my overarching why is I'm trying to raise mentally and emotionally healthy and happy adults. Mm-hmm. In Dina's home, the overarching why is to raise adults of character and integrity. So oftentimes our hows look almost identical, even though the why is very different, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you think about if we're going for visuals, we use an umbrella. So we've got like the overarching why and then the little raindrops that are falling off are your little whys. Mm-hmm. And those are like your stepping stones to get to that big picture. So if I'm going to raise mentally and emotionally healthy and happy adults, well, what kind of character traits am I going to try and foster that's going to help them achieve that? Well, I'm going to teach them empathy. I'm going to teach them compassion, kindness, assertiveness, right? And we start to kind of see these are the values I'm trying to instill. And so our second pillar are our value system, like parent from a system of values, whatever they are, it can be completely different household to household. Um, And we encourage parents, write them down. I mean, Dina and I are nerds. We have lists up (laughs) on the wall of top 10 family values. There's a definition. Um, My kids know the definitions. When I parent, I parent toward those values. Wow, that was really kind. Thank you for making a kind choice. We value kindness in our house. Or, you know, that wasn't the kindest choice. We value kindness in our house. Uh, You know, can you um, make a kinder choice? Um, So that those little those values uphold that overarching why. I love that, you know, and that I think a lot of parents can get on board with that because you do that in corporations. They have their values on their wall that, you know, they have their why with attached to their goals. So they're already probably seeing this in their life. Why wouldn't you do this in your home dynamic? That's a good point. A lot of people are exposed to this in the corporate world with mission statements and what are the yes. company's values? And it's just taking the same thing and making it personal. And that's the other thing we really like that is different and sets future-focused parenting apart is yes, there's a there's an overarching philosophy, but it's completely customizable because the overarching why and the values are going to look different household to household. So you still make it work for you. You're just looking at it through this lens of who's that adult that I'm trying to raise. Do you ever have um, parents message you and tell you just their success stories like a year or two years later, like just writing you and being like, oh my God, you like 
you must just be get so many phenomenal stories after when people bring this into their home and change the dynamics and their children's behavior starts to change. Is there one that really stands out for you where you're like, mm. it was just so phenomenal and just like really reminded you, this is why we do what we do. Wow. That That's is a, a great, great question. question. I'm trying to think, do you have one that comes to mind, Dina? Well, I think, you know, for parent coaching, it's sort of parenting is a thankless job, right? So parent coaching often, you know, not everybody circles back around and is like, that was the best. Yeah. But when they do, I think in a way, when they do, that makes it even more meaningful Yes, because they'll be able to say, Hey, this really had an impact, or I see the dynamic in my home changing. And we actually have a very avid listener and it's extra cool because it's a future focused dad. And I do think our audience is primarily moms. Um, but he has definitely talked to both of us about different things he's seen that have changed the dynamic of his home around even the way they handle things like homework or the way they handled when kids weren't listening and their family really struggled with giving with what is a fair consequence and one parent more wanted to do consequences than the other. And so I think the, what strikes me about the feedback from this parent is there was also kind of a testimony of, we really got worked to get on the same page. And when we hear that we've helped with parental unity, I think that's very gratifying because often one parent is just maybe going to lean a little more strict and one's a little more softy. And so when you can see that coming into play, that's great. Um, and then the other ones that are really gratifying for me is Kira mentioned, I'm a sleep consultant. And I love when parents are like, we're finally sleeping us and our baby. <laughs> and I actually feel like a person. So that's always really, really special to hear that families are getting rest and able to feel more productive in their day. Cause they're not up 47 times at night. Exactly. And I love that as someone who I let go to bed and I'm like, oh, my favorite time of day. <laughs> like, so grateful for it. I can't imagine if it was ever taken away from me. And then if it was taken away, the feeling of just complete joy that would come back from having it back. Because when you're in those moments, you're like, this is it. This is literally my life forever. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's the biggest like problem. That. that is one of the biggest yeah. issues. I mean, I felt that way with my twins. It was like, that was a huge, a huge issue for me was a feeling of like, it's going to look like this forever. <laughs> I feel so, like it will never end. It will never end. Yeah. That's incredible. You must notice a big um, difference with your children as well. Maybe not difference because I'm sure you've been doing this for so many years, but um, do your kids' friends ever say anything <laughs> Because you're just like, you've got the coolest home dynamic. Like you talk about your home and your values and having your mission statement. Like this is literally going to be the household in my next life. I come back to and relive. Like, <laughs> I want that so bad. Do your kids' parents, like, I'm sure it's got to have a domino effect. It has to have a ripple effect on your kids' friends. Yep. And I know Kira has a good story for this too. Um, but I say all the time, one of the first things I noticed, and you mentioned this even today is Kira's children's vocabulary. So they're very articulate. Also, I think it helps. They say some things we don't always hear. And also they have a British parent. And I think that's part of it too. Cause they, 
even even just the first time Kira told me, my kids finally like thanked me for making lunch. But what they said was it was lovely. I was like, we would, I, I, I would, <laughs> my kids would never say that because it's just not an Americanized phrase. Oh, that meal yeah. was lovely, mother. Thank you. Um, <laughs> So, so you do see like this different level of communication, I think with kids who are parented this way, but to your question about friends too. Yes. I, I have my, the fourth of our five, but my oldest biological child went off to college a few years ago. And she said that topics would come up and she would tell them, well, you know, when I talked about this with my mom, here's, and they would say, you talked about this with your mom just stunned. And, and it was, it was amazingly gratifying to me that she said, my friends are also surprised that we have this kind of closeness and that we would go into these topics together. And then she would want to bring friends home. We've now had several of her friends come over from college and like, Oh, we've heard so much about you. We just, we just want to hang out with you because Sienna speaks so highly of you. Well, that, I mean, for me as a future focused parent, I don't know if there's anything better that I could receive. <laughs> really? No. So yes, it, it trick. I think it leaks out and it's noticeable to their peers, to other adults. Cause the other thing, Kira, I'm sure you can speak to this too. The other thing where it stands out, a, a child who's been parented this way is their poise in interacting with other adults. Yeah. They are used to communicating with a parent. They're used to being treated like an adult. They're used to their feedback being valued. They're used to asserting themselves and not being afraid to advocate for their needs. So guess what? They go out in the world and do that too. I've had a few of Sienna's professors say, she's very unique as a student because I'm not hearing from you ever. She always comes to me if there's an issue and she'll advocate for herself. And as a result, she's having opportunities come her way because of how she's seen. So I'm going to be quiet now because I know Kira has some great examples too, because Reese and Rhea are tremendous for being 10. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny. I'm curious what story you're thinking of. Can you well, give me- I just think of when we talked about the siblings episode and like how they choose each other. Like mm-hmm. that's another thing I think is kind of unique to this parenting style. Cause we also cultivate. Yeah. Our, like we were talking about our friendship at the top, we cultivate their friendships with each other, how they navigate relationships. I always think of that picture of them snuggling. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. And then recently, like, like the town hall meeting. I mean, they're so articulate, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's a great example. Yeah. My, we're, um, my family's very active, um, in various social justice groups. And so sometimes we attend the council meetings Um, And there was an issue that uh, my daughter wanted to raise with the council. And so, well, she she made a comment about something and I said, oh, well, you should take it up at the council meeting. And she said, can I do that? And I said, sure. And so she and my son both spoke to the city council, you know, and had prepared what they were going to say. And that was really cool. And we got an email from a couple of the council members saying like, wow, that was really something. Um, So, yeah, I think they are very articulate. They um, have a lovely dynamic, the two of them, that's very noticeable. Um, you know, lots of lots of situations where like maybe a treat's being handed out somewhere um, and the one twin will say, could I get one for my brother as well? Or could I get one for my sister? You know, th- that kind of closeness that they have um, is really lovely. And, and I think, you know, I, I happen to um, have found a really amazing group of like-minded parents. So I would say amongst their closest friends, there's a lot of similar parenting happening, Mm -hmm. but on a 
broader scale, I feel like um, I'm definitely the person people call like, hey, can I can I ask you a question about or how do you think I should handle this? Um, so I think I see it there. Um, and they sometimes comment. I think they're still too young to quite wrap their brains around how different their home dynamic is. Sometimes it's really obvious and they'll comment and be like, wow, I, you know, something happened, an interaction between parent and child and they see it and they go, you know, mom, you never talk to us that way. Thank you. You know, or you always ask for our thoughts and opinions about something, you know, so sometimes I, I get that kind of feedback from them. But I can tell you as a child who was parented this way, because I was parented this way, that those teen years were where I noticed it. And where my friends would be like, I can't believe you talk to your dad about that. I can't believe you are open about that with your mom. I never had to sneak out. They knew everything I ever did. You know, it was there was just nothing. There was nothing to hide because it was such an open, honest, uh, communicative relationship. So I'm hopeful that come the teen years, um, I'll start to hear some of those some of those things. Um, but they also, you know, they have some privileges that other kids don't have because they're so trustworthy, because we built a relationship of trust and and they are aware of that. Like, wow, you you know, none of my other friends get to do that. Yeah. Um, that's a real privilege that I get to. So we're seeing some of it, but I would say mine are still probably just that little bit too young. There's they, you know, they still think they have it rough. It's like oh, my husband sure. my husband and I are professional singers, like in our in our 20s we were professional singers and our kids can't stand it when we sing <laughs> please stop singing you know like, you, have, you have no idea how good you have it go ask another mom to sing and Absolutely. and then we'll talk you know well yeah. they still have to be just normal kids and challenge you too, absolutely right? absolutely you know? yes. and if singing is their biggest complaint you're doing pretty good right? like they said you're both doing a really good job well i have to say you know before we wrap up um i really love conversations like this because I believe um, they are you are making a difference in the world and then they will make a difference in the world because it's you all become expanders for one another and because Kira you were raised that way with the safety of being able to ask for what you want and feeling trust that's why you were so able to ask Dina and be so clear about your needs and what you needed in that relationship, right? So it did have a domino effect, of course. And then you were able to teach that to Dina, like, oh my God, we're allowed to do that in our friendships, right? So it does have a domino effect just in the way we interact in the world. So what you're doing is amazing. And then what your children are going to do is amazing because again, it's just, they're just so conscious as, you know, little humans now, and then they will be even more conscious as bigger humans when they, when they're adults. So I have so much respect for what you do and like, thank you for doing what you do because Aww. it's, it's so incredible. They're our next generation. Like if we don't fix them now, fix that now fix these issues that we have now it's just going to continue in this cycle of how i was grown up which was not in a way um that was positive so now it's like we have this opportunity to raise the most amazing little human beings who are going to do so much better than we ever did let's hope so let's yeah, hope so absolutely they're going to be the ones who cure all the diseases and save the environment and do all of the things because i find kids today just have this this different mindset than we ever did. They're just like, why do you 
why do you guys keep making these screwed up decisions? Why not just do it this way? This just seems so much simpler. So, and I would imagine it's because there's two incredible humans like the two of you teaching children that it's okay to stand up for what's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's it's parenting is so important. It's just, Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry if that makes people feel pressured we should feel pressured, should feel pressured. Absolutely. You know, and that doesn't mean it has to weigh you down or it has to keep you up at night though. Let's be honest. Parenting does. Um, but you know, the responsibility of helping a a child unpack the world around them, understand what's going on. Like my, one of my favorite people on this earth, um, said it's all about demystifying the world for your kids. And I think that's really true. Like we have an important job and we should not be dismissing it. We should right. be owning it. We chose, you know, for those of us that chose to become parents, yep. like there's a, there's a level of responsibility there. And, and actually the thing is when, what we've seen is when people come at it from this lens, even if there's an adjustment to make, once they kind of get it in their bodies and embed it the way that Dina was talking about, then your life is actually easier. It's like actually simplifies things and makes it smoother and easier. I mean, I have said this whole, through the whole pandemic, thank goodness I was locked in a house with these two. I mean, they're so great. They're so great. And it was hard. It was really hard. Don't get me wrong, but they had some skills that I had been prepping for never knowing we were going to need them that soon. So I think there's something to be said for the major payoff that actually starts really young. You start, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you start this little, you get payoff by what, three, four, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's really, I think you start to see it. Yeah. Cause you're even delegating, you know, even things like you mentioned chores earlier, as you start to delegate your world as a parent gets easier because you're handing off the responsibility as they show that readiness for it. And like in our house, we, our goal is always that there's no rules by the time they're 16. And so like, I'm able to really just move into like this lovely coaching and friendship role earlier than a lot of families because we've been teaching all along. So I agree with Kira. I think, especially if you don't do this from the start, there is a steep on-ramp, but then it's like, oh, this is actually way better. Yeah. I mean, I think about, I remember when the pandemic hit, it was like, three weeks later, it became really clear that this wasn't working for our family. I mean, for any family, right? Who was it working for? Um, And so I said to my kids, I was like, Hey, team Dorian, this is not working. I'm going to need you guys to take on a few extra responsibilities around the house to help make this work. And they didn't even question it. It was like, of course, no problem. What do you need us to do? Because that wasn't a shocking conversation. Right. So those are the payoffs that you know, you're looking for is, is that, that handoff and your job actually gets easier and easier and easier. So as I'm saying, you know, like we should feel pressured at the same time, allowing that pressure to shape the lens that you're viewing your parenting through can then take the pressure off of you. You'll actually be less stressed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking this time with me. I could speak to you for hours. Um, cause I just have, like I said, I have like 18,000 questions. I don't even have children, but I'm just like, I have so many questions for my friends who do have children who are like, Oh my God, I'm dying. So <laughs> I'm going to send them to the two of you. Where do you like to spend the most time that if someone was to reach out, this is the place that they would connect with you, that they would reach you. And then I will put that in the show link so that they're going to your favorite place. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a couple. If they want to just learn more about us and what we do, 
or if maybe they're part of a mom's group or a preschool and they'd like us to come chat, our website is the best spot for all of that. And our website is futurefocusedparenting.com. Mm-hmm. There's also the ability to listen to our podcast right from there, which Kira will talk about in a moment. And then we also are pretty active on our two social media accounts as well. We post whenever an episode drops. We have some parenting quotes and things like that. There's some fun things about us. Often we'll do like a little sneak peek <laughs> into our world as moms. And uh, there's actually a fun one coming this Saturday. We get to see a chore framework in action. It's me with my 19 year old daughter showing her how to make a bed. It's pretty <laughs> hilarious. So, um, so we are on both Facebook and Instagram yep. and our handle is at future focused parenting. Perfect. And then the podcast. The podcast, the podcast. on all major platforms where our podcast is raising adults colon future focused parenting. It has our little faces on it. Um, and depending on when this airs, do you know when this is going to air? Um, probably the second week in November. Perfect. So we are um, running a freebie until the end of the year um, that has everything we talked about today. So if that's like of interest to anyone, it is so robust what you get for free. You sign up for our newsletter and then you get like once a week, you get a thing for each of those three pillars. So how do you figure out your why? We have a a template for figuring out your family values. We talk about being proactive, but you also get what we call our calendar of character traits. And it is 12 months of different character traits, some of which I talked about, emotional intelligence, kindness, um, compassion, wisdom. And we look every month, like take a deep dive into that character trait. So kindness, Um, what does it mean? How do you model it? And we talk about ways you can model it for your child. How, what are activities you can do to foster it? What are some books you can be reading that focus on that? What are some questions you need to be asking of yourself as a parent? It's super deep dive into these different character traits to help you build your value system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, what am I missing? What else do they get? It's so much. So anyway, video. Oh, and a video all about three essential strategies for raising adults. Oh, so yes. that all you have to do is go to our website at the very bottom. You'll see there's like font free stuff and you plug yep. in your, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, or, yeah, I will make sure that's in there and I'll make sure I like, it's my podcast. I get to do whatever I want to do. I'll make sure it goes out before November so that then they have it right away. Um, and I'll share it and share all the links. Cause I think that's so important. And I just think the more resources we have as human beings, as parents, just as women, the better because there's so much unlearning to do and so much learning. And if things aren't working, there's always someone really magical doing great things that can teach us how to make it work. So, ah, thank you. I will put everything in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you to both of you, not just for coming on, but just doing what you do. I'm don't, again, I don't have children. I've been listening to your podcast. It is fun. It is engaging. I'm just like some of these tools. I'm like, I can use this on myself. (laughs) Or I have lots of nieces and nephews. When they come to me, I can be a better aunt. So I look at it like that. So it's very, very helpful. And I just so appreciate you too. And I'm just going to have to have you back on. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for letting us share with your audience. And it was really a nice chat. So thanks for having us. You're very welcome. I look forward to chatting with you both again soon.